Greetings, everybody. Um, as always, it's a great honor to stand here. And some of you are driving down the street, listening to the radio. Some of you are at the Grand Blanc campus on Monday night. Some of you are in Linden or Pontotoc or, or your, your kids are sick and you're home in Fenton or the area. I just want to say I'm just glad you're here, man. Well, however you got here, I'm glad you're here so we can spend this time together. And uh, it's a privilege to, to teach you the Word of God. And speaking of teaching, um, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the last two weeks and now today, the third week, we're going after some really fundamental, uh, rudimentary, but, but foundational truth. So I want to thank Pastor Carl two weeks ago teaching on sin and salvation and really the brilliant, relatable, simple, but you know, complex truth that he brought out to us during that time. I want to thank Pastor Jason, you know, who pastors our, our Linden campus. Uh, for, for teaching last week on faith and deeds. And if you, if you watch the progression, like lost, found, well, if you're found, that faith should bring fruit. And today we're going to add on to that to talk about what Jesus called the ecclesia. Jesus said, I will build my, say it, come on, say it, I will build my church. I'll build my church, the ecclesia. The word ecclesia, is, it's translated church which is okay, but it, but it means something different than what we might think of when we think of church. I, I guarantee you, ecclesia does not mean the place, the time, uh, the guy who does the thing, the sacred. I, ecclesia, really in, in its essence, is those who are scattered are called to a, to a single place. And as we gather together, there's a purpose for that gathering. Let me say that again. The ecclesia, or what Jesus says, I will build my church, my ecclesia, is not a place, it's not a steeple, it's not a bell, it's not a hymnal, it's not a pew, it's not a chair, it has nothing to do with carpeting, it has nothing to do with electric lights. What it has to do is this, people who are once scattered coming together because they were called and they were called for a purpose. So I wanna thank those who, who led us to this place to prepare us uh, for the teaching today. So let me talk to you a little bit about the ecclesia. What, what is the ecclesia? Let's, let's dig into that. The ecclesia, um, I'm, I'm going to bring out three things that I think are vital. If, again, if you're on the radio, if you're sitting in the Linden campus where I am right now, uh, if you're in Fenton, like, like understand this. There's three things I want to bring out today. There's more than that, but there's three things today we're going to talk about that really determine whether or not it's some other sort of gathering or it's a scattered group or it's the ecclesia that Jesus has promised to build. Number one is this, and this is the most important. So we're going to start here. It is not an ecclesia unless Jesus is the center of it, the king of it, the master of it, the owner of it. Um, <clears throat> a lot of noise in the world today. A lot of, I, I, again, I, I talk a lot negatively about social media. And there's a lot of things to say that are negative about social media. I see a lot of things negative about the news, you know, whether you're a Fox guy or a MSNBC guy or a CNN guy or a local news guy or an online guy. I, there's a lot of negative things to say about those things. And I, but I, I, that's not the purpose of this right now. It's just simply this. If your life is crowded with all the voices of doom, despair, I remember somebody years ago came up to me, a doctor, so not an unintelligent person, I was talking about, are you going to have kids someday? And she said, well, you know, the planet's only got eight more years before we're all going to be dead. And I went, what? And this is like seven years ago. So the earth better get, you know, busy destroying itself. So I just, what, where did you get that from? She said, well, I, I, you know, if you read the news, if you watch the news, like I, I get that. But, but please hear me. Please hear me. In the midst of all the bad news, Jesus brings us good news. He is the king of kings. 
Come on, somebody say amen. He's the Lord of Lords. He is the one that's going to figure all this out. He's going to help people get innovation. He says this in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. He says, I will build my church. Not, not your church, not your church is. I will. We get, it's a promise from Jesus. There will always be an ecclesia that Jesus will be building. As long as today is called today, until we enter eternity, Jesus will be building his, not ours, his ecclesia, his church. And, and this is not to say that churches have a homogeny, you know, like a homogenized milk. They remove the cream, they remove the skim, and now you've got this, <clears throat> this one homogeneous substance called milk. Like, like he's not about homogeny, but he is about unity. Unity through diversity. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. So when we say ecclesia, we say, okay, so every church should be exactly the same. Like, no. Matter of fact, just to the contrary, Paul teaches in Corinthians about the body having many different parts and lots of different expressions. And even in scripture, we see the church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts and the church of Antioch in the book of Acts. Well, you couldn't have two more different groups of people. You've got Peter presiding, if you will, over the Roman church. John is there. There's a kind of a council of elders, right? And, and in that, man, there's miracles, there's signs, there's wonders. It's incredible. But there's also this, this other thing happening in Antioch. There's a Jewish church in Jerusalem. There was a Gentile church. Could be more different culturally. A Gentile church in Antioch. And, and there isn't as many recorded signs, wonders, and miracles. It's not like they don't happen, but it's not the primary focus of that church. Their primary focus was sending out Paul and Timothy and Barnabas and Silas and John Mark and, and winning the Gentiles, you know, cultures to the Messiah. So it, it's funny how, you know, Paul never writes to Peter and says, hey, man, we're going to start sending some people. This is an ecclesia or an ecclesia. You're not an ecclesia unless you send people. And it was like Peter sent a letter to Paul saying, hey, when are you going to start doing some miracles with the shadow that's cast on people? Like it's, there, there's no competition. There's actually a complementary um, relationship. So understand this, that Jesus is going to build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. It has every right to be whatever its collection of parts creates it to be. And uh, I, I want you to know this, that, and I want you to hear me again. Either Jesus is the Lord of that gathering, or it's not a church. And I, I want to say it again. I want to say it carefully, because I, I don't want to indict anything. I don't want to bring division, but I do need to bring clarity. If the reason for the gathering is to sell products, if the reason for the gathering is a political action committee, if the reason for the gathering is any other thing besides the worship and preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a church. It's not. It's, it's a gathering. It may be an ecclesia in some terms where those who are scattered came together to get somebody elected or to, to protest a cause or to whatever it is. And, and I'm not against any of those things per se, but let's be very careful that when we gather, because we're talking about us now, not, not everybody else's problems. This is our problem. You have to know that when you come together as the ecclesia, as part of Freedom Center. Hear me, hear me, hear me. The Lord Jesus Christ is the hope of this place and this people. Um, the church, and I just want to say this carefully again, because I, I don't want to say like, I'm, like we're the only real, I don't mean that at all, but I do mean this, that the church is almost never a product to be consumed. Almost never. There are those among us who need the church to give them something. You think of a, a traditional offering plate going down the row. 
It is not an unbiblical thought that, that some should be putting something into that. Most should, but some should be able to take something out of that. Widows, orphans, um, addicts, uh, people who are, are you know, uh, mentally depressed, who are possessed or oppressed. I mean, the church should be an abundant place because of all that's going into it, not all that's coming out of it, so that when people do need to make a withdrawal, man, there's plenty of love. There's plenty of faith. There's, there's plenty of generosity. There's plenty of prayer. There's, there's plenty of uh, groups of people that would love to have that need walk through their door and, and be met. So hear me, the church is almost never a product to be consumed. So what is it? Well, it's a gathering and a, and a sending. A gathering and a sending. It's, it's a gathering for the purpose of receiving and in a, in a sending for the purpose of giving away. A gathering and a receiving, not of consumers, but those who have been consumed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it with me. What if, what if we didn't walk in with a customer mentality like we're walking into a, a restaurant of some sort, right? You know, well, I, I like this, but I didn't care for that. I'd stop. You know, those people over there, so I sat over here. I would stop. You come because you've been consumed by the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, filled with His Holy Spirit. You know, you're coming to receive together so that together we can scatter back to where we came from and take with us the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us, the, the provision, the vision, all the things that God does in people's lives. So Jesus is the great hope. Like, hear me. If you're like, you know, I've got this gathering, I've got this group on social media, my favorite newscast. If things are bringing you down, I promise you, the ecclesia is not bringing you down. The ecclesia is building you up because Jesus said, I will build, I will build my ecclesia. And the gates of hell, that stuff you're reading about on social media, those causes you might be passionate about, those purposes that, that are painful in your heart, hear me. The solution to the world's problems, it's you, it's us anointed by God as we come together and then we go back, sent by the Holy Spirit. The number one thing, I want you to hear me, the number one thing that this church and all churches, or it's not a church, should be doing and what we will be doing is we're here to worship. We're here, we're here to enjoy his presence. We're here to receive from his hand. We're, we're here to be a part of what Jesus is doing, the center of this church. The reason there's freedom at Freedom Center it's because Jesus is and must be, become and, and stay the center of everything, 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 everything we do. If you're out of hope, I promise you, you're not thinking about Jesus. If you're really wrestling, if you're really struggling with something, I promise you, you're thinking about the thing, not the one who is Lord over the thing. If there's pain in your body, pain in your marriage, pain in your heart, pain in your finances, you can focus on the pain. It will not make the pain go away focusing on the pain makes the pain more prominent. So what do you do? You don't focus on problems. You focus on the problem solver. If your mountain is huge, just remember the one who moves mountains with a word, with a snap of his finger, with the breath of his nostrils. God himself is with you on your side. If you don't have hope, you're focusing on the wrong thing. God is the giver. God is the sustainer of our hope. Number two, number one is that. Number two, we have to be committed to the perfection of the saints. What do you mean by that? Ephesians 4.12 has an interesting phrase. It talks about God gives us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, or pastor teachers. And this is for the purpose of the perfecting of the saints. The NIV says it this way, to prepare God's people for works of service. And that's really a different 
a different view. Like, is it works of service or is it perfection? It, it's, it's perfection, but the perfection has a purpose. It, the, the root uh, predicates a fruit. Your, your change is not, is not changing you from something bad to something good. It's evolving you into what you were created to be. So I, <clears throat> the, greatest, the greatest story I know of this, I wrote about it in a book or two that I've written, and it's a story of a young man that walks into the county fair. And he is, uh, he's excited. You know, you can smell the cotton candy. You can, you can smell the, the, you know, the, the deep fry of all the, you know, potatoes and chicken and all that stuff going in there. There's the sound of the rides going and the music of the carnival. And you can hear the barker saying, two for $2, you know, throw the ball, do whatever. But in the midst of all of that noise, he hears a noise above it that doesn't seem to, to fit the surroundings. It's the sound of a chainsaw. And so he, he follows it as he's kind of walking in and, and here's a guy and he's, he's mowing away at this, this log. And that's, that's odd. He has no idea. And he's watching chunks fall off and he, he's too excited. So he goes and gets the cotton candy. He goes and eats the chicken fingers, the deep fried potato wedgies. He does the chili coney onion covered with, with garlic and flavoring. And, he, and then he goes on the tilt a whirl. He blows his guts. And now it's, it's time to head out at the end of the day. And, and he, as he crosses by that place that had that, that odd sound of a chainsaw, he sees a man who's polishing something that he immediately recognizes. It's, it's Abraham Lincoln. There's the hat. There's the ears. Dude had big ears. There's the beard. There's even the, the eyes, the cheekbones. He immediately says, that's Abraham Lincoln. And there's a pile of sawdust and chunks of wood around this man who once had a chainsaw. And he walks up and the artist sees him coming. He's done this many times. He's familiar with what's about to happen. And the young man says, excuse me, sir. And he said, yes, do you have a question? He said, yes, is that the log? that you were chainsawing on when I walked in just a few hours ago. And the artist nodded his head without looking up and he was polishing something and rubbing some linseed oil into the cracks to preserve the work of art that he just created with his hands. And he was ready for the question that the young man asked that all young men ask when they see something amazing like that. And he said, how? How did you do that? How'd you take a chainsaw and a log and produce what I clearly see as Abraham Lincoln and the artist without looking up just rubbing the linseed oil, he said, well, some of the, the wisest words you'll ever hear, he said, well, I just cut away everything that didn't look like Abraham Lincoln and discovered he was in there the whole time. And I want you to hear me. I believe that inside of every believer, the Holy Spirit is making you like Jesus. But we need help. Inside of every log, there's Abraham Lincoln. Inside of every believer, there's something that looks just like Jesus. I want you to hear me. We're gonna need help to get the big pieces off of us that don't look like Jesus. We're gonna need help when it comes time to sand rough spots. We're gonna need help when it's time to rub linseed oil so what God has produced and what's been revealed can be um, protected for years and years to come. <clears throat> we need to be committed to the ongoing interaction of the word of God. And I just want you to hear me. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It isn't like, hey, good to see you. You too, did you watch the game last night? Hey, that's a great shirt. Does it come in men's sizes? You know, it's not, the, it's not the sarcastic bantering. It's not the compliments. It's not the ignoring each other because we're not alike. It's when we trust each other enough to go. That doesn't look like Jesus. When we trust each other at a deep enough level, hear me, to be honest with each other, Jesus is what comes out. When, when we can say, I give you permission to hold me accountable as a saint to a perfecting process of becoming like Jesus. I want you to call me on it. Not your opinions, 
not your criticism. I want you to bring me a scripture and I want you to bring me a picture of my life and say, these two do not match. And I want you to sharpen it. You meet anybody today that's living a passionate, powerful life for Jesus and you ask them, how did you become you? With zero exceptions, you will hear the same story. There was a season in my life, sometimes many years ago, it was at work, it was at school, it was in the military, it was at college, it was at my church. But without exception, they'll say there was a season of my life where I got honest with a group of people who said honesty will be valued among us and will use the word of God to conquer our flesh, to perfect ourselves as saints. Together, we're gonna trust each other to that process. We're gonna let chainsaws and grinders and sandpaper and polish until we look like Jesus, we are not done. If you talk to the, the young people in our, our ministry academy, why, why are they excelling in their walk for Christ over others who are not a part of that, that setting? This is why. They said to each other, make me like Jesus. Use the word of God, but make me like Jesus. I give you permission to speak in my life, Pastor Jason. You know, Melanie, I give you permission to speak into my life. I give you per like, look at me and see anything that doesn't look like Jesus Tell me about it. Talk to me about it. Let me ask questions about it. Hold me accountable to the decisions that I make. And see, so what is the standard for this, this perfection? It's not the latest fad. Come on, guys. It's not, it's not the latest book that came out that blew everybody's mind. It is the trusted and true word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 is a, a fascinating verse to get in depth. I, I encourage you, get out your concordance, look at every single word, and you'll see a much richer picture than just the English translation. But it says this, that every, every word of God, the scriptures, um, all scripture is God breathed. Theonusos is the Greek. It's, a, it's that it was man's hand certainly that wrote it. It's man's mind certainly that translated it. We're not debating that. But it was, it was the wind of heaven that guided like, like, a, like a ship on the sea, every syllable, every thought, the order of the words, every scripture, all scripture is God breathed. And it says there's a usefulness. Remember the chainsaw? Remember the iron sharpening iron, and this is the usefulness of it. It's good for teaching. It's useful for that. It tells us what's true and what's not true. It tells us what is and what isn't. I, there's an absoluteness to it that is absent from most conversations today. We have competing PhDs with, with a mountain of research behind them saying exactly the opposite thing. But this is the word of God. Their angles, their view, their perspective, their conclusions before they started their, their research taints all that. But this is the word of God. It's useful for teaching. It tells us what is and what isn't. It's also useful for rebuking. You say, that's a long way from teaching. Well, remember, if we have trust, we can say, hey, you know, I should teach you this. But there's other times, say, hey, knock it off. If you're a parent, there will be times in your life where you're just going to say to your child, hey, stop, stop. Don't take another step. Don't say another word. Stop. The scriptures help us. It's an authoritative source where we can say it taught us. But now that we know the difference, we can st stop. That's not what scripture declares as true. It's for rebuking, for correcting. Let me not just rebuke you. Let me show you where you went wrong. I'm gonna use the word of God to teach you where you went wrong. This is the interactive relationships that happen, right? And it talks about correcting. And, and this last word, training in righteousness. I was trained to do many things in my life. Trained to drive a car, trained for war, uh, trained in law enforcement, trained in ministry. And I'm telling you, the difference between teaching and training if you were taught how to drive a car, then you read the book on car driving. How many feet before an intersection should you signal? And you go, uh, choice C, and you hope you pass the test and get your permit. But that's not training. Training is now get your fanny behind the wheel of a car 
And, and you learn right away, especially if you learn with a manual shift, you're not looking at, at tachometers and, and speedometer. You're, you're feeling the car. You don't know anything about driving until you've driven. You know anything about war until you've been there. You know anything about law enforcement until you're stopping a car with tinted windows and walking out in the middle of the night not knowing what's behind that tinted window. You don't know anything about it until you do it. So scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The word training says there's going to be trainers. There's going to be other people. No such thing as a Navy SEAL who got there by himself. No such thing as a, a winning athlete who got there by himself. We are trained by those who know. And I'm here to tell you that that's one of the things the church, the ecclesia, is to do. It's there because Jesus is preeminent. And because he's preeminent, it filters down into us saying, perfect me. Cut away everything that doesn't look like Jesus because I know he's in there. I want it gone. So you trust people and you talk, right? Um, <clears throat> the third thing, centered on the person of Jesus, committed to the perfecting of saints. I love this last one. They are consumed. A church, an ecclesia, is consumed with their unique purpose for the advancement of the kingdom of God. They're consumed with it. They, they know clearly what it is. You <clears throat> by now probably know my favorite verse is Ephesians chapter two and verse 10. But I wanna bring out an, another part of that. It says we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. It begins with we, and it almost ends with the word us. So we, we talk about what's your purpose, but understand there's not just your purpose. Your purpose fits into the purposes of the people around you. Your purpose complements, doesn't compete with, doesn't contradict. It complements the purposes of those who are in the room with you right now. Maybe you're in Pontotoc, Mississippi, and, and maybe today is a low day and it's, it's, it's just the two of you. I promise you, who you are complements one another. God established it that way. If you're in the room in Fenton and there's hundreds of people, I promise you, the gifts that God has sent there complement. There's a purpose we all have, but then there's a corporate purpose we all share. Every gathering has a multiplication of purpose. So when that church, when that ecclesia knows what it's supposed to be doing, in other words, it knows Jesus. This is We're holding on to Jesus. We're committed to the perfecting of the saints. We're gonna use the word of God to, to train and correct and teach and even rebuke. We're gonna use that as our standard. We agree this is the standard by which we choose to follow Jesus. And we know who we are and we know what we're supposed to be doing. I am telling you, that is, that is a world changing occasion. That, that is an event. That is a, a gathering of saints. That is an amazing season of everybody's life. And I want you to know this, like, please hear me. God wants to do, I believe this. This isn't a hope. This isn't a, a theme. This is a fact. God wants to do big things in a lost world through your life and the lives of those you're seated with right now. If you're driving on the car by yourself, who's your family? Who's your friends? What's your community of faith? Hear me. God wants to do amazing things through people who make him Lord in all things, who agree to scripture and live in a community that can teach and rebuke and correct and train in righteousness using nothing more than the Spirit's guidance and the word of God, that, that chisel that made Abraham Lincoln appear out of dull wood. I want you to hear me. And once you realize what you're supposed to be doing and you're doing it together, some of the most incredible moments you'll ever experience happen in those environments. Can you imagine with me a group of people fully committed to Jesus' center, to each other's perfection, operating in their personal and corporate anointings, callings, grace, gifts, purpose? Can you imagine what that looks like? Can you imagine what happens to a, to a, a town or to a mission 
or to a cause or, or to families or to young people or to children or to the elderly. When we know Jesus, we agree to become like him and we're sent just to be nothing more than us. It's an amazing thing. And that's what Jesus means when he says ecclesia. And I wanna, I wanna sum up our time together today by, by just bringing out this. Some people approach like a church gathering um, in, in, a, in a completely useless way. <laughs> I wanna, maybe that was too strong, but I've had two cups of coffee and very little food, so here it comes, all right? Completely useless way. Like walking into a movie theater and, and you see that picture of the theater. It's an oldie, you know, black and white film, wooden chair, squeaky chair. But understand this, like people walk in sometimes to church that way. Like there's, there's something on I think I'd like to see. Maybe I'll take somebody with me, maybe I won't. I'll pay my two bucks, I'll get a thing of popcorn, I'll sit down, I'll watch it. I don't talk to anybody, I don't interact with anything. If the movie's gonna laugh, I'll cry, I'll be inspired, but that's about it. You realize there are hundreds of people that walk into churches with, with that same attitude that I walk into a movie theater with? And the chairs aren't nearly as cool. I was in a theater the other day, thing comes up, it vibrates, it heats. Like the chairs you're in are, are, are nothing compared to that. Like the purpose of walking into an ecclesia is not to watch the show and ignore the people around you. You are wasting your time. You're absorbing resource. You're, your kids in the nursery, you're I'm like, please hear me. Stop going to church like you're going to a movie theater once a month. Once a quarter, Christmas Eve and Easter, stop. You're not going to anything Jesus calls church. You're going to a movie theater. And maybe you cry and maybe you laugh and maybe you're inspired. But you are not transformed because you are not committed to something that requires your commitment for it to have its authority, its power to transform you. Don't be inspired. Be transformed. Some of you approach it more like a season ticket holder. You see my, the, my favorite stadium in the world there, the Michigan Stadium. And you're like, I'm going to go. I, I'm a big fan of what's happening on that field. I'm consistent. I catch most of the home games. I wear the jersey. I got the swag, the stuff we all get. It says U of M, says Freedom Center right here on it, right? Like, like you are not getting out of that experience. When you approach an ecclesia, like you're a season ticket holders. Like, hey, a big fan of what's happening. High five the people around me. Sit next to the same people all the time. I'm fairly regular in attendance. You are not a part of an ecclesia. I know that may be hard to hear, but it, I, don't, I don't get like a bonus if I'm mean. <laughs> so I'm telling you from my heart, I've been doing this for 35 years, 27 years in full-time senior pastor ministry. I am telling you, if you just come like a season ticket holder, you will not be transformed. And if you're not careful, if you're the, the movie theater guy or the season ticket guy, like, ah, I went to church, it didn't work. You, you weren't the church, you went to something you called church. It's not the same thing. So what is the church supposed to be? How do we approach it in, in a way where it will have its authority, its transformational power in our life? It's not a movie theater. It's not a season ticket holder. It's this. It's the couch that is so comfortable that you come back to it regularly. It's, it's, the, it's the gathering of a small group of people. Hear me, hear me, hear me. When God wants to do big things in people's lives, he most often does it through the smallest of environments. I had the privilege of being with our Pontotoc leaders uh, in the last couple of weeks. And, and man, Pastor Greg and Shay Bryant, they are the real deal. If I lived anywhere near Tupelo, Pontotoc, if I was in Memphis, Tennessee, I would drive to that, to that church. Why? because there are big things happening when two or more gather together in my name. It's not complicated, it's simple. The Grand Blank Campus 
It's, we're not talking about hundreds. We're talking about a dozen, maybe more, maybe less on any given day. But hear me. When God wants to do big things in people's lives, what's the environment he most often puts them in? Jesus spoke to thousands, but he sat on a family room couch, if you will, with a dozen. And, and, I, and I, I need you to understand, well, so I shouldn't come to a large church setting. I should go to a smaller campus. Not what I'm saying. I'm saying that whatever your commitment is in the family room, that needs to be your commitment in whatever room you're in right now. The people around you are the ecclesia of God. You have gifts. You are not a consumer here to look at a screen and get a product. You are here to interact. You're here to mingle. You're here to give away who you are. If you're here and you need to receive, you're here to receive from those who are around you. It's a sincere interaction. Chainsaws come out, chisels come out, grinders come out, sandpaper comes out, linseed oil comes out, and eventually those whom we gather with look like Jesus, the perfecting of the saints. I, I want you to hear me in this, this closing thought. Um, it's just a question, like what, what seat, the theater, the season ticket holder, or the family room couch best describes your relationship with the ecclesia that you're a part of right now? And I hear my heart. I'm not against live stream. I'm not against driving down the street listening to Christian radio. I'm not against watching this on Tuesday on YouTube. I'm not against those things. But you have to acknowledge, Jesus said, I'm not going to build YouTube channels. I'm not going to build driving down the road by myself. I'm not, I'm not going to build people who separate themselves when I created them to come together to interact, not in homogeny, but in unity of purpose. I, I want you to understand you have a vital role in the body of Christ. Your thumb your toe, you're, you're an eye, you're an ear, you're, you're a beating heart. And when you separate from the body, it speaks of death. The church of the living God is a gathering of stones. I will build my church, the temple, the living temple. Stones scattered speak of destruction. Stones gathered speaks of construction. And when your commitment to that gathering, I'm not saying come to Freedom Center. If you're not faithful, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. Wherever you are, whoever you are, if you are all alone in a room full of people or all alone listening to this by yourself in your car, you are not created to be all alone. You have too much to give. You need the hands and the hearts of others to, to form the perfect, the blind spots you can't even see. That log could no more carve Abraham Lincoln out of itself than the man on the moon. It needed outside help. We need, you need, I need outside help. Tell me what I don't see. What is the church? Remember, sin and salvation, faith and deeds coming together, the ecclesia, people who are sinners, who are saved, who now have faith to do the stuff. One of the hardest things you'll ever be asked to do is to be a part of a gathering of honest people who make Jesus first, are committed to the perfecting of the saints, understand their purpose, and live it corporately. I'm going to pray for you, and then your campus pastor or whomever is going to come now and close this out. But what chair are you in? You're in whatever chair, but what chair are you in? Is it a movie theater? Season ticket holder, are you living on the family room couch? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move people from seats that mean nothing. They, they check a box, but they don't change a life. I pray for a deeper, fuller commitment, God, to the ecclesias that are around us and the ecclesia that is global and international and without time, God. Bless your ecclesia. May its purpose be fulfilled in all of our lives now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.